0: Have you ever just try to catch your breath? Have have you ever been in one of those situations that you just, maybe it's a sigh. Maybe you don't even know what you're doing. You don't know what else to do. You don't, you just kind of just breathe in and you breathe out. You just trying to process everything. All I can say is I'm still trying to process everything it has been an absolute crazy week plus. Um, so much has happened. So many emotions. Uh, to say an emotional roller coaster would be an understatement. I'm still trying to figure it out. It, it feels like it's been a year since I've been in front of this microphone, which you know was obviously the correct thing to do given the circumstances. But I thought today I would turn on the microphone and... Try to come up with something. So welcome, everyone. This is your Today's Focus for Tuesday, May the 16th, 2023. It is currently 10.52 a.m. Central Time. And today's focus is Christianity and Mental Health. Or maybe I could say it Mental Health and Christianity. When you look at the world of Christianity, when you look through church history, when you look at the church, when you talk to other Christians, whenever there is tragedy, there is pain, there is suffering, there is depression, there is mental health issues, mental health problems, how, in your experience, how do you feel Christians do in handling and responding to that? Do you think they respond to it in a very not only a very compassionate way that brings healing, or do you believe they respond in such a way that actually brings more trauma and leads to more guilt and more doubt and more confusion and more questions? Do you think Christians really respond to mental health issues in the most compassionate way? Do you think they respond to tragedy in the most compassionate way? Now, obviously, I'm not speaking for every Christian. I'm speaking in a general way. Now, I'm still thinking about that, because I had to speak on that subject, and I had to speak at that on that subject in a very difficult setting. I had to stand in front of a church that was full of people to talk about mental health, and it was a funeral of someone who had died. And what led to their death was mental health issues. We'll not go into any greater detail out of respect. But let's just say it was a tragedy. The person was young. It was a very... To say an emotional experience would be the greatest understatement in the world because you're witnessing people's pain. You're seeing their grief. You're seeing them in total despair. And you're like, not only are you not, I mean, at least speaking for myself, I was totally incapable. There were no words I was going to be able to say, but the, the family asked me to speak about mental health issues uh, and, and, and to talk about it. Uh, and they... <laughs> I met with the family uh, the the night before the the I met them I met them or met with them around I don't know seven p.m. I guess that was Sunday and then the service was Monday at two p.m. So um, I spoke to them and tried because I wanted to make sure I knew what they wanted me to do. I, I wanted to make sure I understood because I I have lots of uh, I guess you could call it anxiety. I have lots of worry. I, I'm not, um, my experiences at funerals that are quote unquote Christian is they all, I, I've always felt I've walked away more traumatized than I walked away healed. I just, I, I, I just, it's maddening to me. Now, I think many Christians find great comfort in them, but there's always those of us who the way our mind works and the way we think, we're sitting there left with a million philosophical and theological questions that everyone else seems oblivious to. And they're able to go, some of us can't. So I'm i always worried that I'm going to say something at a, a, like if someone wants me to speak at a funeral, or if I have to speak at a funeral, then I'm going to say that which is going to hurt or traumatize. And I don't want to do that. But- Because I don't want to do that. If I'm asked to speak, there's a high probability that I'm not going to say or do that, which is the way most Christians would do things. So I guess it was somewhat comforting because the family told me basically, we, you know, we knew you wouldn't approach this like, normal Christians. We knew we, you would approach this from somewhere way out there. Now I don't know if that was a, I, I know they meant it as a compliment, but I'm like, that's kind of sad that that's, that's my, you know, hey, whenever we need the most non-Christian Christian we can find to speak, we know who to call. I, I don't know. I, it's just because I do think so radically different than most Christians about so many issues. I think, I, I mean, I, I hold a, a very historical Orthodox theology, very sound theology, I believe. I don't believe, you know, no one would be able to say, well, theologically, he's." I guess they could say I'm a, her- uh, a heretic. If you, re- re- you know, reject the Reformation, reject. I mean, I, I guess you could. Um, I, I mean, that's a whole different subject. but uh, But at the same time, I know I'm always the outsider. I'm always the outsider. I'm always the outsider looking in. And look, there are times that I almost wear that as a badge of honor that I'm the outsider. There's a time that it it doesn't bother me. There are times it very much bothers me because I'm tired of being the outsider. But when you're at a Christian funeral, you don't really want to be the outsider, especially if you're going to speak, you don't want to cause any problems. So I told the family, okay, I'm going to try to do what you've asked me to do. Here's some of my basic thoughts. Here's some of my basic thoughts. And uh, and I told them, if your children or anyone is upset by anything I say or do— Please let me know because I would I would obviously I would I would I would drive all the way back to sit down and just apologize to whoever I offended because that's the last thing I wanted to do. But at the same time, the family had their wishes, right? So when you're asked to speak at about mental health at a funeral involving death related to mental health issues, that's ooh, you know that I, I, at least for me, it felt like wow how how am I going to approach this? So I was worried. I was scared to death. I was nervous. I was so I was so scared. We got we got to the church a little over an hour before things started. Um, I mean, I did. I walked around a little bit. I mean, basically, it almost probably was worse to get there an hour because you know, I, I, because the emo- because now you're just watching the grief unfold in front of you. You're, you're watching the pain. You're seeing the despair, and I. I man, when I witness grief and despair, I, it just, I can't explain how it impacts me. And and of course, I know the family, knew the person who, who deceased, you know, I'm not going to go through history and everything, but um, it it, it just, it was, it was, it was, it was just overwhelming. So of course, then I had to figure out, okay, how do I use, you know, the microphone? Um, I wasn't familiar with the the, the setting. So I thought what I would do is just trying to give you a basic idea how I approached the subject. Because as much as I know that probably many did not like what I did or said, many may even strongly disagree with what I said. I do stand behind what I said. I don't know if that would have been the setting I would have chosen to try to engage said subject, but it was the setting afforded to me. And if if out of that entire packed sanctuary, if one person walked out and thinks differently about mental health and Christianity, then I'm just going to be like, okay. Because I, I, like anyone who listens to this podcast, anyone listens to me preach, the one thing everyone will agree on, he is not trying to reach the majority, okay? <laughs> Clearly because of my approach to things. But When uh, so the way it started, there was the introduction, uh, kind of for the funeral, welcome, a greeting. Okay, Um, then someone got up who was the Sunday school teacher at one point uh, of the young person who died. He was like worked with the youth. Um, He mentioned that um, he read uh, some scriptures from, I believe it was Romans five. Then uh, then there was a a video, a video, a, a worship video. And in the worship video, there was a, like a message from Piper about suffering, about that, uh, John, John Piper. And then right when the video ended, I was to come up on stage. And I wasn't – I was already trying to deal with the emotion. So I, I, I was prepared to try to work through the emotion. But at the same time, it's like I, I was struggling. How do I approach this? I mean, this is a funeral. Like, I don't get up and go – Here's my slide on, on, on mental health. You know, I had to approach it obviously in a much more emotional tr- – I wanted to do it in a much more conversational way. But the first thing that went way wrong for me is as soon as I walked up the, on the stage and walked to their kind of podium – I wouldn't I won't necessarily reference it a pulpit, but their kind of podium it almost looked like a, a – well, maybe it, I, it wasn't a, like a typical pulpit that I would think of. The way that their sanctuary was designed, it was like, I I don't, I'm not to say, I'm not saying this in a, I'm not trying to say this in a dismissive way or a disrespectful way, but it's almost like mood lighting. Like this really cool looking lighting, lights are kind of down. Then the stage has lots of lighting like for for the praise band and, and whatever. So when I got up there, I was immediately just like, whoa, I couldn't see anybody. Like, I couldn't see anybody. It was like stage lighting, like you're on a stage, right? And I could, I like, I was like, and I was, I wasn't prepared for that. Like, when I, when I, I had my head down to make sure I could have the microphone on because I had to see the green light and I was setting my iPad down. So I had a timer because I had a, a limited time and I set down my Bible. And as soon as I looked up and the lights hit me, I was like, oh, I can't see anyone. Like I, there's no, there's no, not necessarily that I always love eye contact, but I could not see any facial expressions to know, okay, what am, what am I saying do do they get it? Do they understand it? Are they a nodding head of approval? Are they giving me that look? Like, like there, I knew that at that point I wasn't going to be able to read anything. It was so, I can't, it was, I was not prepared. I'd never preached in a a situation where the stage lighting looked like you're, you know, at a play or something like it. I never, I'd never encountered that, right? It's just, you stand up in the pulpit and you can see the people, right? So I, I, that, that kind of threw me off for a second, but I didn't have time to, to process. I didn't have time to go, How am I going to do this, right? And second, the second thing that I was a little panicked by, it was a handheld mic, right? So I'm like, okay, well, if I'm trying to read... So I was trying to think, well, if I pick up my Bible with one hand... Or do I just leave the Bible on the pulpit, but with the light blaring in my eye, I don't know if I'll be able to see the scriptures. Like I was like, I'm trying to process like, okay, wait a minute. Do I just forgo the scriptures? Do I try to pick up my Bible and read the scriptures? But I got this light glaring in my eye. I'm like, what do I do? Like I'm sitting in there really trying to, to process everything. And so I, I start this way. My, my first two statements were this is that who i am is irrelevant. Who i am is completely irrelevant. That was my literal first my literal first words. I didn't say welcome, I didn't say I just said who i am is irrelevant. And the words that i'm about to say will be totally inadequate and insufficient and then i apologize to the family that my words were going to be Insufficient, inadequate, because, I mean, no no matter what you say in those situations, it's inadequate, it's insufficient. And then I said, when tragedy strikes, when people are screaming out in pain and agony, the last thing they need, the, the last thing they deserve is to be given tired, worn out cliches and slogans and Pat answers that just tries to brush over everything and shows disrespect and doesn't take seriously the depth of the or the seriousness of the tragedy and the depth of the grief and the pain. Now, I didn't say it quite like that because my voice was shaking and I was emotional. And, and so, but I, the, I'm just trying to express what was said. And so after I kind of said that, you know, so I said, I apologize to everyone, but I'm not going to be able to give you a cliche. I'm not going to be able to give you a pat answer because I just will not do that. I just just don't think it's right to do. Now, I'd already, I I don't, you know, some people may felt... Some people may have felt like I didn't even think about how that could possibly—because, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to talk about mental health. I'm going to talk about how we get it wrong, right? And 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 I feel too many times Christians throw out cliches and pat answers in the face of suffering, right? Ten kids shot in a school. Thoughts and prayers. What kind of—why would you say that, right? Like, it, it just—sometimes Christians say these things— and and if you criticize it, they almost get mad at you. Like, how dare you? And it's like, I, no, I just don't think that's an acceptable statement in this kind of tragedy. So I don't. I'm not. I'm not a fan of of cliches and pat answers because tragedy and 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 despair and pain and mental health requires more than our little, you know, Christianese. It needs something more. So I said, I feel. That if we look at church history, we'll look at Christianity, that Christianity has not adequately, has not correctly answered or, or correctly handled, um, you know, I, I don't feel like Christianity has adequately handled tragedy. I don't think Christianity's response to tragedy and pain has been adequate. I think that we've we've gotten it wrong over and over. Not every single Christian, I'm speaking in general, but I think Christianity has handled tragedy and pain and mental health issues in an incorrect way. And I think there are three ways in which Christianity gets it wrong. Now, I know this is not, I know what you're thinking. Uh, wait, this is what you said at a funeral? I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, but I, this is what I, this is just the direction I took. I know I'm going to get thousands of emails telling me how wrong I was, but that's, that's okay. You can, you you know, my email address, you, you can tell me. So, so I, I said that I feel that Christianity has gotten this wrong. So the number the first way not not in order of importance because really I was building to the third uh, the first was kind of an introductory point the second is the is what everything hinged on and the third was what what I came to really say so there was a there was a logic to my madness first point was going to just kind of introduce and f- follow with my whole not liking clichés the second was going to be the theological bolt that, you know, that put everything, you know, that put the door, you know, up and and put it on the hinge. And then the third point was where I really wanted to go. And I knew that I had literally, I I had five minutes really to do my introduction and my first point, five minutes for my second point and five minutes for my third. Trying to do the, the, the breaking everything into five minute segments I knew it was going to be hard, so I, I tell everyone that I feel Christianity has not responded adequately and in a correct manner to pain, tragedy. I just don't feel like Christianity has has done that. I just, I just don't. And the, the number the uh, first way, not the number one way, number one in my order, but not number one in, in importance. My first, well, the first way that I think Christianity has failed is that when tragedy strikes tragedy strikes. Whatever the tragedy is, no matter how horrible it is, no matter the pain someone is suffering, no matter what they're enduring, everyone runs to a Bible. We start flipping through it. We find a verse, we rip it out of context and we throw it. We just throw it at the tragedy. We throw it at the pain. We just toss it at it. As if it's somehow it's going to fix it. Somehow it's going to heal the person. And I believe that d- the depth of pain and tragedy at times just swallows up the verse ripped out of context because we just grab a verse and, and not only are we grab a verse, we rip it out of context. Sometimes it's not even an applicable promise. Sometimes it's just, it's just like, it's just so out of context, but we re- grab a verse, rip it out of its context, toss it at the pain and suffering. The pain and suffering in many cases just swallows it up and you leave the people many times confounded, confused, and feeling like that's the best you got. That's all you have for me. And I understand that Christians don't know what to do, but our, our first thought is to give them a scripture, give them a scripture, give them a scripture. And it's like, I don't know. Sometimes do, do, do they need a scripture, especially with just no literal context at all? You can just grab a verse and say, here you go. The, you know, and we usually, then we sometimes add a personal antidote, you know, and, and some of this I'm adding uh, to this, but i wanted to get the point across that we 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 just rip these verses out of context and throw them at people and then sometimes we add a personal antidote of oh when i was going through this horrible tragedy this is the verse that sustained me basically saying so it should sustain you this is all you need you need this verse and i i i and so i just said i'm not going to do that i can't i can't i'm not going to rip a verse out of context and just throw a verse at this i just can't do that so that's the first way I think Christianity mishandles it. I think people are well-intentioned. I think their their, their, their intentions are good. They're well-intentioned. But I think it's just, it's, it's just, no, no. You, you don't throw verses out of context uh, at pain, suffering, or any of those other crises. Second, is that I feel Christianity makes the mistake is that we constantly sell Christianity. We sell Christ like we are a late night info commercial. And it's basically come to Jesus and he will fix everything. Jesus is the cure-all. If you come to Jesus, it's going to be sunshine. Birds are going to be singing. There's going to be rainbows and a unicorn is going to be running through your front yard and everything's going to be perfect and you're going to be happy and you're going to have any struggles and you're not going to be depressed. You're not going to have mental health issues and you're going to basically stop sinning and you're going to be wonderful and everything's going to be great and everything's going to be perfect. But the reality is it's not like that. That's not the way it works. Now, at this point, I think this is where I lost the, I feel like this is probably where I lost the audience. Because I said, I feel that that approach of selling Jesus as the cure-all for everything, come to Jesus, you got cancer, it'll go away. Come to Jesus, and I said, and you got mental health issues, it'll go away. You're struggling with sin, come to Jesus, and it will go away. At this point, I, I could, I, I, I think I felt the t- room and the temperature change thirty degrees. Okay, but I mean, this is just anyone who listens to me knows I don't like that info-commercial, Jesus fixes everything kind of thing. Remember, I always say there's the Christianity we sell. I didn't say this in the, in the message, but I say this all the time on the podcast. There's the Christianity we sell. There's the Christianity we pretend to have. And then there's the reality of Christianity. And the reality of Christianity is nothing like the Christianity we sell. And it is definitely not like the Christianity we pretend. Because the reality, it's painful and ugly, right? Because we come to Jesus and we still struggle and we still have weakness and we still sin and we still fall short. And I think that this approach rewrites what Christianity is supposed to be. So I said, let me summarize the story of Christianity. Christianity is very simple. Now, I, I, now, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I know there were certain phrases that I forgot to say. again, when I was trying to talk, it was so hard to concentrate because the light was so bright in my eyes. I, I, at one point I thought, I'm, it's going to trigger a seizure. I'm, I'm going to have a seizure right here just because the light, I was like, who's got these lights this way? Like the, I, I, if I ever, if I ever am in a church like that again, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to stand in the back. I'm going to, I'm going to walk off the stage. I almost wanted to walk off the stage so that I could see the people, but I thought it would be highly inappropriate during a funeral. But I almost like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't preach up here. Like, I, I, like my brain was trying to process my words, but I'm like, I can't, I, I like, I have to close my eyes. It was, it was crazy. Okay. But. I told everyone this, right? And, and the only reason I'm mentioning that is because at this point, I know I forgot some, some words, but all right. I told everyone, uh, this, here is the story of Christianity. I will summarize. There is a God. He is holy. He is perfect. He is righteous. And he manifested his holiness, his righteousness by giving us his law. When we are confronted with that law, we are immediately realized that we cannot keep it. We will never be able, never keep God's law. We will fall short. It reveals that we are broken people. It, re- will, it reveals that we are flawed people. We will never keep the law. And I stress that over, never keep the law at this point. I definitely felt like I was losing everyone at this point. We will never, never be able to keep the law. Never, 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 never. All right? I mean, I didn't say it like that, but I really emphasize that we can't keep the law. So God, in his mercy, he sent his son, the eternal son of God, second person of the Trinity, one God, three distinct persons, co-equal, co-eternal, Right? We call it the incarnation. Jesus comes to this earth and he comes. And the first thing he does is he keeps every single law perfectly. He keeps that law for us. He keeps it. And then he dies to pay for our failure to keep it. So all of our sins are washed away. And then when we put our faith in Jesus, he does not infuse that righteousness. He does not infuse that holiness into us. He imputes it to our account. So what does that mean? That means that I, he declares me to be righteous, but I'm not righteous. He declares me to be perfect, but I'm not perfect. He declares me to be complete, not lacking anything, but I am a broken, messed up person who's still going to struggle, who's still going to struggle with mental health, who like, my cancer is not just going to go away. My mental health is, issues are not just going to go away, but this is just not going to go away. I'm going to continue to struggle and fall because I'm the same sinner that I was in my position. I'm a new creature in practice. I'm very much the old old, the old the me. Now, at this point, I know I've Lost now seventy percent of the audience. Right now, you would think the doctrine of imputation, which is a historical Christianity. Now, I could be wrong. My perception is I felt it. Now, again, I couldn't see anything because the lights. But at this point, I felt really, really like, oh no! It just felt, and I knew that this was going to feel like, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do? But I really tried to stress the doctrine of imputation. So I said, look, I'm apologize, but I'm not going to tell you Jesus is going to fix everything. Not practically. Now, positionally, it's all fixed. Positionally, it's perfect. And he will ultimately fix it in eternity. Well, there's no more pain, no more suffering and no more tears. So ultimately it will be, but in the present, it will not. We are weak, feet of clay. We're going to struggle. We're going to have mental health issues. We're going to struggle with depression, discouragement, anxiety, frustration, bitterness. These things are a part of the Christian life. And I really wanted to stress that we, 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 Christians have got to try to stop putting forth Jesus as, you you know, everything's going to be wonderful because the reality is you come to Jesus and things are not always wonderful. Now, I wanted to obviously tell my own story with depression and mental health, but of course I did not have the time and I didn't want to make it about me. So I was in, then, then, but I knew then I had to get to my third point. And my third point, so the first thing I felt Christianity does wrong is we rip verses out of context. I throw it a tragedy. Secondly, we sell Jesus as the cure-all for everything. And the reality is, well, he doesn't cure everything practically. He may cure everything positionally, but not practically. So number three is that Christianity, because we believe Jesus is the cure-all for everything, has placed a stigma upon mental health. Has placed a stigma upon mental health. That's my Bible, if you hear sounds um and that i believe to honor the person who had died and to just for something good to come out of this tragedy we have to rip and do away with the stigma of mental health and within Christianity for good. It needs to be removed because someone struggling with mental health, they have to sometimes struggle in the shadows. They have to struggle in darkness because you can't admit it, admit it because someone will call your faith into question. Someone will doubt your sincerity because you shouldn't be suffering but the the point is you are not your suffering you're not your struggle with sin that's not you you are who you are in Christ in your position not who you are in practice and you should be able to acknowledge it you should be able to say it you should be able to scream out and ask for help and if anyone is here who's struggling in the in the shadows seek help now i think to me this i think this Point was good, but of course it, it it flowed from the second point that Jesus is not the fix all. So, I think some people may have gr- agreed with my mental health issue, but they probably were still reeling from what my my going after Jesus being sold as the as the cure all for everything. But I really tried to drive home: seek help, get help, pursue help, don't suffer alone. And then I talked about how suffering. And with mental health and depression and discouragement is a part of Christianity. So I talked about Job suffering, Elijah. I talked about uh within church history, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And then I talked about the Psalms of Lament, the Psalms of Lament. And I read uh, that these are spiritual screams of agony, right? And and that I try to talk about that and that we are allowed to do that. And then I read Psalm, a part of Psalm 22. I couldn't read all of it. And I was just trying to pick and choose verses that I could see. <laughs> and uh, which I wasn't trying to rip any verses out of context. I wanted to read more, but I wanted to contrast. I try to at least set it up that Psalm 22 and 23. Every, everyone knows Psalm 23. Everyone knows Psalm 23. But Psalm 22, everyone forgets. And both are written by the same man, David. So the same man who says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is the same one who says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I wanted to show that in in Christ, in my position, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everything is perfect. In my position, everything is perfect. I'm lying by still waters. He, he, everything is perfect. In my life, sometimes I'm screaming, My God, my God, why where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you not listening to me? Why are you not hearing me? What is going on? Showing that there's a a, a weird dichotomy, a duality in the Christian life. So I did wasn't able to get everything I wanted to say through. I mean, just look at this. This is twenty-nine minutes. The the whole presentation was to be fifteen minutes. The whole presentation was to be fifteen minutes. So I think I went 16 minutes, maybe. I think I went 16. I, I think the timer stopped on the iPad. I wasn't. I didn't feel like I did a, a good enough job talking about mental health in some ways. But the same ways, I was trying to talk about mental health by trying to explain how I think Christians get it wrong, that we rip verses out of context, that we sell Jesus as the cure-all, and then we place a stigma. And I, and I did say that a faith that's never doubted, a faith that's never questioned, a faith that's never struggled with is not a faith worth having. And don't look to people, don't look to people as they are, look to who they are in Christ. Now, I do not know, ultimately, the family. Now, as soon as I was done, I stepped forward where I could get the light above me and I looked down and saw the family and I walked right down to the family. I knelt knelt down to all the family members and I went to each one and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. One, I was apologizing because I just didn't feel like it went right. Uh, and I apologize just for the tragedy that they were into. Now they told me, uh, at least the husband and wife, that that's exactly what we wanted. They seemed to be okay with it. I hope. And that was pretty much it. Uh, then, then I left, and no one, <laughs> no one else had anything else to say <laughs> about my message. So all I can say is, if the family were, was happy, great. That that's all that matters. If their kids were not traumatized by anything, good. Awesome. If anyone else, if if one person in there felt changes their view about mental health and how Christianity approaches it, great. If anyone there gets a correct understanding of imputation versus infusion, which is just, you know, I mean, come on, that's like, like, is that controversial in 2023? And I'm not saying it was controversial there. I'm just saying, is it controversial? Uh, But, uh, so that, that's, that's how it all went down. Now, I have an article here about mental health and Christianity that we will probably address in upcoming days. They give like 10 things Christians can do to improve mental health. But I will say this. Look, I, I don't know who will hear this. Whoever you are, I will say this. If you are a Christian and you struggle with mental health issues – I don't—an actual mental health diagnoses, uh, whether it's de- well, depression, anxiety, a lot of people—it's like one in five people every year will suffer some kind of mental health issue. I think it's one in five is the latest statistics I'd have to verify, but it's, it's a lot, and that makes up Christians and non-Christians. And anyone who acts like Christians are immune to it is just—you're just, creating a fantasy Christianity. We're fallen, broken people, and that brokenness and fallenness and sinfulness and reality of who we are and we're emotional beings. And just as you get physical sick after becoming a Christian, you can get mentally sick after a- Mental health is an illness. It's an illness, which Christians sometimes treat it as you have a demon or who knows what. It's an illness. I just know this. Seek the help you need. Don't let stigma Make you feel guilty and ashamed. Get the help you need. Get the help you need. All right. And don't say, well, I don't know about the the therapy. I don't know about the counseling. Get whatever. Therapy or counseling. Get the help you need. Work with the trained professional. Talk to them. Oh, you can address spiritual issues that pertain to it, connected to it, that may influence it. I'm not denying that. But get the help you need. I would rather you get the mental health you need and have Christians think whatever they think about you because your mental health is more important than Christians – the opinions of Christians they have at you because Christians will always have negative opinions about people because I think that's what we do for a pastime. But I think it's an issue that has to be addressed and I'm not saying a funeral was the appropriate platform. But it was the one given to me, and it's what the family wanted. I just know it before the person the person who is no longer with us, the person in the center of this tragedy, I would hope that somehow their tragedy could be used to get people help now the the church there it was is doing one great thing and it's at the desire of the family is they're setting up a fund in their church that if someone is struggling with a mental health issue and needs help. The church will help pay. We're going to raise money to help pay at least to some portion of the cost for people to get outside mental health care. So I am I am grateful for that. Super grateful for that. There's there's other things I would like to do. Um, I, you know, I wish there was more things I could do to try to address that issue. Because obviously, I have a very personal invested interest. You know, as a teenager. They're very much a Christian, no question about it. I, you know, I attempted suicide with a gun. Someone stopped me seven weeks, eight weeks in a psychiatric hospital. So it, it, it this, this is a young person. The tragedy. I can relate to the tragedy because of my own past. I can relate to that. Now, I I will look back on that day, one, hoping that my presence, not my words, but my presence will prove to be some help and value to the family. I will also look back on that day and remember how inadequate my words were. I will also look back on that day and realize that dealing with these deep mental health issues – Needs to be something I continue to address in different ways, and that we need to do more to help people that may be suffering. Because I do think in Christianity you have to—it's performance art. You got to put on a play. We can't be real about our struggles. We can't be real about our weaknesses. We can't be real about our mental health issues. Everything was—you know—I got Jesus. Everything is good. Everything is great. those are my thoughts that is what has happened now moving forward today i do not know right now how church is going to work i know the yard guy is supposed to come so that wipes out about 3 to 4 hours of the day waiting for him to show up um i do desperately want to get back on track i do uh, but I thought I would at least have to address where I had been and what what is going on. I didn't address – and of course, the, we've got a lot of things going on because we had a storm before before this tragedy occurred. We had a storm here. Our roof has got to be replaced. Back porch has got to be replaced. There's got to be fence repair. I don't know when all of that will start, waiting for the insurance. And once they start working on the roof, I won't be broadcasting live from this, uh, this studio. I can tell you that because – You know, I'm on the second floor, a second story room. And I mean, the roof, it'll be like, boom, 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 boom. So that will delay whenever. So there's going to be some little, uh, you know, but that that should relatively go relatively fast. Hopefully, whatever delay, whatever, I'm going to work around those delays and I'll just broadcast at a different time. I don't know how the summer will impact things. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. But hopefully we can get everything back on track. I don't know how church is going to work tonight. If for some reason we're not having in person I don't even I don't even know now what's been said or what the schedule is I don't even know anymore it's it's like I've, everything's in a total blur for me I don't even wait what day it is Wednesday no it's Tuesday is it Wednesday It's Tuesday okay never mind ladies and gentlemen I was I was worried about church tonight I never mind it's Tuesday did I say it was Wednesday when I did my intro like literally that's how much of like a fog I'm in right now. I don't even know what day of the week it is. So I, I've got to definitely try to reset, but I wanted to at least try to get this out of the way. So then the ne- next time I come up to the uh, microphone, the next time I come up to the microphone, um, the next time I come up to the microphone, I can just say, all right, guys, let's just get started. Let's get started. Now, I will probably try to address mental health issues um, because they will just be obviously for today's focuses, uh, maybe for the next couple of days, because that's what I've been dealing with. But that's kind of the approach I took to the message. Um and, and it, once again, it was words. What are words going to do? What are words going to do in a situation like that? What, I, nothing. Maybe words in this situation can have more impact for someone out there who's suffering. Someone out there who's suffering mental health, get the help you need. Get the help you need. Doesn't call into question your spirituality. You're perfect in Christ. Don't look to your imperfection to see who you are. Look to Christ's perfection. Don't look to your struggle with sin to see who you are. Look to Christ conquering sin on your behalf. Look to that. Eyes off self more on him, but at the same time, acknowledge what is going on in self. And get the help that is necessary. Questions? or any thoughts or comments and you can criticize my approach you can criticize what i did um, that's perfectly okay uh, i'm you know you yeah i mean some of you you don't you don't need an email address to send the criticism but just so that you need it new news that's the word news n e w s news the letter i is in india f is in frank news i f at yahoo.com news i f at yahoo.com Someone was saying I don't enunciate clearly when I give my email, so I want to try to uh, improve that. And then someone was having some problem that, like, they couldn't respond to my emails because my emails have some kind of security or something on it. I don't know. I've never had anyone ever say that's a problem. I've been using the same email address for – since uh, 2000, I think around 2000. Yeah, I, I, I've been using the same email address for a long time. It's probably close to 20, 22, 23 years. I've been using the same email address. So uh, I've never had that problem. But they were basically asking me to change my email address or find a way that people can email me. And I'm like, no one's ever had a problem. No one has ever had a problem emailing me. So um, I, I didn't have time to fix that in the midst of everything else going on. But if you email me and there's a problem, let me know and I will, I will do that. Um. Thanks for. I know. I did. I did get a lot of emails over the last couple of days. Some of you are sending me articles, different things. I can. I can cover. I will try to get to all of that. Um, for those. Uh, for everyone else, support whatever. Thank you so much. Um, the the main thing is it's the. Uh, you know, it's the family that has to move on. Um, someone says glad I'm back. Well, okay. Well, I. Thank you. I do appreciate that. I'm, I'm. In some ways, I want to say I'm glad I'm back, but then it feels like I feel bad saying that because other people are still suffering the trauma at the same time. So, you know, what do you do? You know, all I can do is try to make the most of the fact that I'm not in that situation. Like, like I think the best way to honor people who are in tragedy is obviously to be there for them, grieve with them, weep with them as they weep. But at the same time. You, you you got to make sure you make the most of the privilege and opportunity that you currently have as well. So um, we'll just see how it, it goes. Just, yeah, you don't know the family, you don't know the situation, um, you know, just thoughts, you know, I would say thoughts and prayers, not for the tragedy, um, just maybe prayers for those who are grieving in the midst of the tragedy. And the, obviously the tragedy needs more than thoughts and prayers, uh, needs hopefully a major re-examination of how Christians think and engage mental health issues because uh, our our approach has been horribly wrong. We take scriptures out of context, throw them at people. We sell Jesus as the cure-all, as like an info commercial, and we place a stigma upon mental health. All three of those things needs to stop, and they need to stop immediately. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. That is your Today's Focus for Tuesday, May the 16th, 2023.